where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair. Welcome to the Courageous Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly, roughly a 20-minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm really glad you're here Today, it's just a huge blessing for me to have my, my buddy Daryl on, on board with us, and he's got a powerful story to share with you. And as I've said a number of times before, for those of you who are repeat listeners, I'm just so glad that you've taken time from your busy schedules to tune in on, on Facebook. If you're there and, and want to leave some comments in the chat, please do. For more information about the, the work that, that I'm doing, you can go to my personal website, which is randymortensen.com. That's Mortensen, M-O-R-T-E-N-S-E-N.com. Later in the show, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the 21-point assessment that is on the front page there that's really a tool to determine whether you or a loved one qualifies for one of my programs. It's called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. So as I mentioned a minute ago. It's just my great privilege to have my friend Daryl with us today. One button click and there we are. Mr. Daryl, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Randy. Pleasure having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and and see if it were if it were in the winter time, we would be talking about the weather. And I sitting here in Central Florida, and you're in Minneapolis. We, yeah, yeah, we just don't that talk be, about the weather. And I would be jealous, and I you know I'd be wishing I was there. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I've learned in the six plus years living in Florida. When I'm talking to Minnesotans in the winter time, we don't talk about weather at yes. all. Yes. So 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 here's. Anyone that's listened listened before, they know my first question is is this. What is there that you know today that you really wish your 22-year-old self would have known? <laughs> well, you know, I want to attack that question from a different aspect. <laughs> instead of instead of what do I what would I wish I knew today that my 22-year-old self would have known back then, I'm gonna say instead. As a 22-year-old, I wish I would have took the advice that I learned back then. You know, I know a lot of us can relate to this, but we get a lot of good advice along the way. The question is, do we ever follow it? Okay. Right. And, right. And, and I think if I go back today and just listen to the things my grandfather used to tell me when I was young, when I was like, why is he telling me all this stuff? Now at the tender age of 55, I realized he had some wisdom. No question. No question. So... As I recall, grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. How does somebody from the great state of Illinois end up in many in Minnesota? Well, that was a, that was a very interesting time because uh, I had a cousin that I grew up across the street from in Chicago, who went up 
to Minnesota, uh, Morris actually, on a wrestling scholarship. And when he graduated from school, took a, a quick detour through Appleton, Wisconsin, before winding up here in the Twin Cities. And he had told me about the Twin Cities and opportunities that were here. And this was back in 85. So in 85, I made the decision to come up to Minnesota. And I was just blown away by the, by the opportunities are here because it was totally different in Chicago. So I just, really, I came up in March of 85. I wound up coming back up here again, final for the final time in May of 85. Well, okay. So, so you, you, you just said it. What was the aha moment for you in May of 1985? I think you might've had pneumonia at that time. Is that true? The aha moment was the pneumonia. You are correct, sir. What happened was is that I came up here in March. Two days after I've been up here, I contracted walking pneumonia. Didn't realize I had it. And I was walking around the streets of, of, of Minneapolis trying to see the sights and what have you. And after going back to Chicago the following weekend, uh, I, I literally announced to my family that I was moving to Minnesota uh, for the opportunity uh, two months later. And sure enough, my last day of work was a Saturday at 4 p.m. And when I got off, when I got out of work at four o'clock, I literally went home, grabbed all my stuff, literally went to Midway Airport in Chicago, jumped on a jumped on a, a junket flight uh, to to the Twin Cities, and been here ever since. Wow, wow! And and somewhere in there, I seem to recall as as I've heard your story before that God God spoke to you at that time and said, "I'm waiting." Yeah, that was quite a few years later. Uh, by that time, okay. I, was, I was by that time I was well into some into some activity going on that I sh- that wasn't in my best interest. Um, it was a real rough time for me. I had I had a really up and down moments in my life. I got married, things were going well, then went through a divorce, and I got that the period of my divorce and when literally going back to God. The interesting part about that was is that I was running for about a year and a half. You know, I wouldn't, I didn't turn back to my addiction, which was alcohol, but I was doing other things that were, that was had, getting me to head toward that direction again. And I remember at, on a Saturday morning, I'll never forget this. I was sitting on the end of, end of a bed in a place I shouldn't even been in. And I remember hearing the voice of God telling me, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I had heard this voice previously before, but it was louder than ever. And I literally had what some people would call an argument or a dialogue with God. When I wouldn't say that, I would say it was just me yelling at God and he was just listening, okay? <laughs> because he was like, okay, when you're done with all this foolishness, let me tell you what I got in store for you. So and that's basically how I went. I told him what I didn't have, what I couldn't do, what I couldn't do this. He said, great, now I can use you. That you wow. can, now wow. I can use you. So I literally turned my life around and started doing some things. Uh, there were some very good people he put in my path along the way to get me back on course. And it, that was the, and it was actually through a good friend of mine uh, by the name of Luther, who I've known for over 30 years, who was a CD counselor and who was a, who was a mentor of mine, who actually pointed me in the direction of working with people in recovery. So that was an interesting process in itself. Okay. And for, for those who are listening and may not know what CD stands for, what does that stand for? Oh, chemical, uh, chemical dependency counseling. Right. Okay. I, uh, okay. And, and so your journey was with booze. Yes. Right. And how did, what, what was that moment that when you finally said enough's enough? I think I got to a point where I got tired of people being disappointed in me. 
I was always known as a person with great potential. Mm-hmm. But he, I don't know if you ever heard that one before. Yes, I, I have. <laughs> but I was known as a person with great potential and was always under living underneath my potential. And I got tired of, of being always looking at me in the mirror and saying, I, you know, why, why is this happening to me? Oh, what was me? And I finally got to a point where when I was finally done and said, you know what? If it's really going to happen, I got to be I got to take responsibility in this, you know, and although the mat- the maturation period didn't last that long, the most important thing was I pulled myself out of it, knowing the help that I needed to get in the process and did that. And and after that, went on a journey to start building it to a career going forward in that direction. And then uh, as I started building a, a pretty successful career in the mortgage industry, everything everything tanked. So that's when somebody, um, my mentor, once again, told me about a, tra- a little treatment center out in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Park that had a uh, housing plus component to it, and they were looking for a housing manager. My argument, of course, was is that, first of all, I didn't like myself was out, out an alcoholic. I know doggone well I won't do it the way else. <laughs> so I was like, all right, this is just crazy, you know. But he kept going on and on and on. And then finally I gave in and, and took the position. And that was really a life changer and opened up my eyes to some things I didn't realize before. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me just take a moment because, because I want you to share your information here in a minute, but I want to remind that our, our listeners that, that one of my programs is titled the lifestyle champion cohort. And what it is, it's, it's, it has three phases. The first phase is evaluate phase two is equip and phase three is enjoy and it actually leverages Zoom technology, and and they're eight week weekly calls of ninety minutes each. So, if you're interested in 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 looking at the Lifestyle Champion cohort, as I said earlier, go to the front of my website, and and the twenty one question assessment is there. I also have my my ebook that's titled "The Five Common Mistakes When Pursuing Recovery." If you're interested in that please text CHAMPION to 66866. Again, that's CHAMPION to 66866. And I will be sure to get you any additional information that you're looking for, for yourself or for a loved one. So, Daryl, you've been doing some great work since for a number of years now. And and the two programs that I think I'd, I want to make sure that we, we touch on is, is first, Motivation Through Recovery, and then speaking life to you. So if someone is looking for more information, how do they get a hold of Daryl Glaze? Well, the way you can get away hold, hold of Daryl Glaze is through my website, www.darylglaze.com. Um, it, it gives you an insight of, or basically talks a little bit about motivation to recovery. And it also talks about my speaking life to you uh, uh, set up as well. It's motivation to recovery, uh, the story, a quick story behind that is that how this came up was that I was talking with a coworker one day and we were talking about recovery and we were asking the question, why do so many people go into uh, inpatient treatment and then come out and relapse very in a very short period of time? And one of the things that, that I, after sitting down with, after that question, I started sitting down with recovering addicts, some who were very successful in their endeavors of recovery, some weren't. In that process, what I found was the ones who were more, successful in their recovery had something more to look forward to than recovery. 
The others, however, all they focused on was recovery. So after recovery just came relapse. So the ones who were successful, literally, they were looking at an op- whether it was a new job opportunity, whether it was reinventing themselves, whether it was going back to school and getting that degree or GED, starting that business, whatever the case it was, they had something that they were working toward to add value to their life that added value overall to their recovery experience. So that's where motivation to recovery came in. So motivation to recovery is really all, all about getting people to understand that life is bigger than recovery. Getting you to know, getting you to understand that there is a place for you in this world where you can make a difference and it's more than just recovery. Right. That in and in some of your materials, I see that that you say too that you noticed people who don't have a why bigger than their recovery often relapse. And exactly. and you and you and I both know from from an industry standpoint that that many of the short-term programs, the 30 or 28-day programs, the relapse rate is seven out of eight. Exactly. And and so it's it's one thing to do the short-term program. It's another thing to exit successfully, and know, having the why in 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 the life and in having a, an appropriate follow-up program is is also a necessity. We would agree on that, right? I always said tell I always tell recovering addicts and people understand this is that if your why has to be very strong enough. So if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not your why. Oh, interesting. If your why doesn't make you cry, it's not your why. Your why has to be something that drives you to the point where you won't, where you will never give up. If I have time to share a quick story, Please. There's, a, there's a gentleman that we about a couple of years ago we went to his house to celebrate his 19th year of recovery, and I had him at a point on his back, literally sitting on his in his deck, and asked him a question. I said, "Let me ask you a question. Why? Why? Why 19 years?" What made kept you going when I've seen so many people fall off? And all of a sudden, he had tears in his eyes. And the thing he said to me was so profound. He said, Daryl, the thing that kept me going more than anything else is I could not stand another man raising my children and married to my wife. Wow. And I, 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 I literally sat back and said, wow, what was that? And he told me the story about the last time he relapsed, his wife told him flat out. You do. You screw up one more time. I'm out of here. I'm done. The kids are gone and you'll never see him again. And he said that was the thing that every day he was in inpatient treatment when he got sick and tired of being there, when he didn't like the staff, when he didn't like this, he didn't like that. He got to a point and got real centered and said, you know what? I don't want another man with my wife or with my kids. And the only one that can make sure that happens is me being successful in this process. And he was. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. And we were talking earlier, you and I have known each other for 13 years. Yes. And, and met at Quest 180 in mm-hmm. White Bear Lake, Minnesota, uh, 13 years ago, probably about right now, as a matter of fact, yes. uh, back in 07. And so the journey for you to be program manager today, did was that ever on your radar screen 15 years ago or 17 years ago to, to oversee? What do you oversee now? 80 beds or something like that? 80 beds, uh, 32, 33 recovery coaches, uh, uh, four or five different coordinators, and pretty much manage the, uh, the operation of the program. Uh, you were asking me if I even saw myself there 
15 years ago, 17 years ago. Randy, I didn't see myself here three years ago. <laughs> and, we, and we should say it's at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. Did I say right. that tra- properly? Yep. Um, see, I knew it before it was adult. There were adults, but they didn't identify yeah. in the name. So I used yeah. to know it as Teen Challenge, but Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, which God has just richly blessed that program so Amen. much. So much. Uh, the, the impact that they've had on the community, not only locally here in the Twin Cities, but worldwide throughout all their different centers is just uh, absolutely outstanding. Right. And I believe there's 1,400 centers globally. Is that, is that, that still that, accurate? I, that sounds about right. Yeah. And we were, we were part of, of the launch of the one in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a Haitian guest on last week. That's why I, I just made, made that tie. Um, nice. And I, I believe Minnesota is the largest in the world, isn't it, as far as the total number of beds and, and capacity? Yeah, I think, I think we're either, we're either no, I do believe now we are number one. I know we were two for quite some time, but I think with the, with the expanding of centers that we have, we are number one. Okay. So here's, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to start wrapping up. So the overdose deaths in the United States have tripled Mm -hmm. since 1990 on an annual basis. So right now I was, I was on a, another podcast, an opioid task force podcast earlier today. We're seeing 130 overdose deaths per day in the United States right now. It's costing our economy somewhere around $800 billion annually and lost productivity, theft, and all the things that go with that. Daryl, if somebody's struggling today, or if if somebody is is the loved one of someone struggling today, what would you encourage them to do or say, or how do they take action? Let's talk about that loved one just for a second. The one thing about uh, that it's not uh, readily available out there is programs for loved ones. You know, you have the allies and things like that, but there's not nearly a how to a coaching. And I have a program literally called, literally called from enabler to coach how to help your loved one through the journey of recovery. Helping a loved one, the best thing you could do for them is how I tell them all the time is to educate yourself on your loved one's addiction. Understand what it does to the brain. Understand what it does to their emotions. Because too many times loved ones get so emotionally entire thinking that this person stopped loving them. And it's not that at all. What it is is the addiction is more powerful than the love that they're positive that they can even be able to give or the love that you can even expect them to experience from you. So it's important to understand exactly where they're coming from when they're dealing with the issues of their addiction. The second thing I would tell anybody that's struggling today, just like I told a young man two days ago who, who, uh, who reached out to me via my wife and my wife's friend, uh, literally he, he, he was self-medicating because he thought he can do this thing on, on his own. I would highly recommend anybody struggling out there, don't try to do this on your own. You need people to come around you. You need people to be in your corner. You need people who can help you walk through this journey, whether it's, whether it's treatment or whether it's a mentor or a sponsor, somebody's got to be in your corner to help you in the process. Right on, right on. Good stuff. So I shared earlier, if you want to reach out to me, please, please either text champion to 66866 or my office number is 321-757-HOPE. Again, that's 321-757-HOPE. Please know this. Those who are dying today are husbands, wives, sons, and daughters of someone who loves them. Don't wait another day to get help. I hope you found this information helpful today. 
Look for the replay of this to be available on the usual podcast uh, online outlets like Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. I just want to say to to you, Daryl, thank you so much for being here, being a blessing to all those who are hurting, and and to all of our listeners. Be extraordinary today. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help fund your child's dreams and ideas. But it's not just for college. It's also the trade school savings plan and the books and materials savings plan, even the room and board savings plan. With fewer educational expenses to think about, your kids can focus on what matters, their future. Start saving today to support your child's tomorrow. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help you support your kid's future career as a teacher. Uh, airplane driver? Um, no, their career as a hairstyle designer. As a dinosaur doctor? Oh, their future job as a windmill builder. No, an ice cream taster. You know what? We just don't know what they want to be yet. But while they figure it out and dream big, we're here to help you save for what comes next, whatever that may be. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com.